Hello, it's Basha Cummings here. I'm an editor at Tortoise, which is the home of Sweet Bobby, Hoaxed and many more award-winning investigative podcasts. I'm here to tell you about Tortoise Investigates, where we curate the best of our chart-topping investigations in one place. Everything from extraordinary tales of deception to a suspicious killing to one mother's decades-long fight with the police. Just search for Tortoise Investigates wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Tortoise. Tethers, British Virgin Islands address. Physical address for Tether also in Taipei. Then there's also a residential address in Hong Kong for our mysterious chief executive Tether for Vanderveld in Hong Kong. We've got confirmation that Giancarlo is from Milan, or that he was at least in Milan in 2019 when he was signing this. Registered persons, Devasini Giancarlo, Italian citizen in Milan. While we've been investigating Tether, the company has also been under scrutiny by the Southern District Court of New York, also known as the Sheriff of Wall Street, one of the most powerful courts in the U.S. because they have the jurisdiction of America's finance. That investigation has produced hundreds of the company's private documents, emails and correspondence that are now in the public domain. We have been combing through these to look for both traces of the money, but also to confirm the whereabouts of the main Tether cast members. A handful of historical addresses in the Far East and the Virgin Islands, but also a concentration of European addresses slowly but surely congregating around the Italian-speaking Swiss town of Lugano. We've identified recent social media snaps of Giancarlo Devasini, the chief financial officer, sitting on Lugano's waterfront. And the chatty chief technology officer Paolo Ardoino is here often, dotted amongst pictures of El Salvador and gifts about crypto on his social media are peaks of cups of half-drunk coffee in front of Lake Lugano. Chinese language press has also reported that Tether's lesser spotted chief executive says he has recently moved to Lugano too. But we're coming to Lugano because we have an interview appointment with someone from Tether. Paolo Arduino, the chief technology officer, has agreed to speak with us. I'm Alex Kratowski. Welcome to Real Money from Tortoise Media. I've never really been to Italian-speaking Switzerland. There's lots of little villages on the way up that you know you can stop and you can get something to eat or something to drink as you make your way up the craggy, craggy cliffs. They look like the mountains that you draw when you were a child. And they rise straight out of the lake. They've got that you know, lovely alpine covered in, covered in trees vibe. 
Lugano, Switzerland is nearly 40 miles as the crow flies from Milan in Italy. It sits on an alpine lake hugged by mountains so perfect they make an altitude junkie like me weep. We wind our way to the center in a tiny red Fiat. Switzerland also has a proven track record when it comes to cryptocurrencies because there's a corridor a bit further north in Zug, which is very crypto-friendly. So Lugano, they found the mayor to come and practice with when it comes to their nation building. This place is a whiplash from where we've just been. In El Salvador, parking lots and private homes are guarded by men with both machetes and machine guns. In this town, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of gemstones sit on full display overnight in shop windows in the town center with no security in sight. Wealth is abundant here, and no one is trying to take it away. I'm noticing a lot of very fancy cars. What connects these two places? Tether, of course. Of course, Tether. Here and there, the company is running the same experiment. What happens when a place adopts crypto as legal tender? There are two experimental conditions, the city of Lugano and the country of El Salvador. It makes total sense, given the number of Italian-speaking people who are involved in Tether, that they would move somewhere that has a favorable tax rate, but also speaks Italian. Because that is the crux of why the Tether execs are spotted here so frequently. Here, a stone's throw from the office that they set up with the local mayor, they can buy a Big Mac with Bitcoin and wash it down with an espresso that they bought using Tether. So where are they? Blockchain blogger and author David Gerard recently compared Tether's chief financial officer, Giancarlo Devasini, to Bigfoot, rarely cited and lightly documented. As we descend into the one-way system en route to check into our hotel, we think we spot him. Can I go left? Can I go left on that street? I think we just saw the CFO of Tether walking down the street, having a conversation. I can't believe we just drove into Lugano and we saw Devasini and... Okay. I swear to God, if they have just evaporated into thin air. Turn not left onto the Aoi Kartori Route 2. They've gone. <gasps> okay, I need to make a Yui, and then I'm going to go left. Turn right onto the Aoi So this is, they would have, they could have gone this way, they could have gone straight. At this point, we need, like, we need to be able to split ourselves into three. Is that Devasini? I think that's Devasini. I think that was Devasini. He was just looking at me. He was. He looked at me like he saw me before I spotted that it was him. Yeah. I don't know if we're allowed to stop here, but we're going to stop here for just a couple of minutes. Super fast. Very subtle. 
excuse me, Mr. Devasini. Ciao, Mr. Devasini. No. no? Okay. Okay. Thank you. The man he is dining with shuts the conversation down. We thought you were somebody else. Okay. Ciao. Why would you be entirely silent? You'd just be like, no, 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 it's not me. But no, he was entirely silent and let the other guy speak for him. I've just never seen that reaction before. It was like he was actually swallowing his tongue. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? We approached. He was eating something. And without saying anything, he very slowly put his fork and knife down, chewed incredibly slowly, and then he leaned back. He has very good posture. Just leaned back and just kind of left the air open. He didn't look like he didn't understand what we were saying. Yeah, he didn't look confused. He looked almost comfortable in the fact that he was going to reject us. Yeah, but he did look a little curious at first. Like, I could tell he was sort of checking us out. You know, he saw the microphone, he looked us up and down, and then he made a decision. Had the conversation not been shut down so abruptly, I wanted to ask him where the money was. I mean, he is the chief financial officer. We'll put these questions to Paolo when we meet him tomorrow. This is the newly installed mayor of Lugano, Michele Folete, speaking at the public launch of Plan B, the marriage between his city and Tether. He and the president of El Salvador have the same casual approach to public appearances. In this video, his scruffy beard and his shaggy hair, combined with tweed jacket and elbow patches, give him the air of a university lecturer. Next to him is our man, Paolo Ardoino. Paolo is relaxed, looking comfortable in a white Lugano Plan B branded rugby shirt, talking to the crowd of mostly white men in suits and ties. And after visiting El Salvador, this all seems very familiar and logical. But wait a second. This is actually extraordinary. A company that is less than a decade old is funding, to the tune of more than 100 million Swiss francs, a crypto indoctrination. Tether has so much money that they can make the future they want to happen by buying it into reality. And I realize this is the experiment that Tether is running. They've already done it in El Salvador, funding studentships and primary school classes in Bitcoin. Getting people to buy into Plan B and Lugano should be a much easier sell. Switzerland is a country where already citizens can pay their electricity bills in crypto. After the Swiss banking secrecy laws were repealed, the country jumped right into crypto. But does this offer less regulation or less scrutiny? Lugano was an important hub of private banking at Switzerland before the law changed. And now it's an important hub in crypto, courtesy of Tether. Does it matter if Tether's stablecoin is backed one-to-one like they say? Absolutely. This vision of the future is dependent on the money that Tether says it has and the people 
who believe in it. This future can only become real if they are around to make it happen. We faced a lot of slam doors trying to get to the crux of this story and in trying to hold the people who make the decisions at Tether to account. So when Paolo the Coder agrees to an interview, I'm already wondering if he too will disappear into a cloud of smoke at the final hour. I am resisting sending the interview equivalent of the, hey, are we still on? text message when I say this out loud. I wonder if Paolo is gonna turn up tomorrow. Sorry, I did say that out loud. Sometimes it's better to say these things out no, loud. It's not. With my questions typed into the Notes app on my phone, I go for a walk along the astonishingly beautiful Lake Lugano. I'm standing next to a set of docked pedalos dressed up to look like vintage Italian racing cars. Maybe it's thinking about tomorrow's meeting with Paolo. Maybe it's the close proximity with Giancarlo Devasini this morning. I want to believe this is an omen. I'm slightly giddy. I think we found the the panoramic view, which is in the background of the last known photograph of Jean-Louis Jan Leviticus, Leviticus Jan Vanderveld on the internet. This picture was taken, it was posted on Twitter, and I have a feeling without his knowledge, on the 5th of July, 2022. So we were already looking into this story. This picture was taken on a ferry on this very lake, Lake Lugano, we're standing overlooking exactly the same spot that he was looking. I felt closer to Tether than I'd ever felt. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. She made you go up the stairs. Oh. <laughs> Hi, I'm oh. Alex. How nice are you? you? So nice to meet you. Thank you guys so much for coming. I really hate when people talk bad about our, our company, so I'm I'm pushed to defend it, right, publicly. But as a as somebody who's involved in technology, it it does seem it seems like an interesting choice of the company, especially because it is a financial organization to have um, to have you be the person who speaks all the time whereas like if we're thinking about some of the the financial questions like you mentioned the investigation yeah. right there's other investigations that have come before um it seems strange for you to then comment on the technology rather than on some of the financial issues and i'm just wondering about the decision so first of all i'm extremely vocal as a person uh, second um, yes, it's definitely finance, but also is a lot of technology, right? So Bitcoin is technology, is fintech, right? So I, I'm uh, really involved in different aspects of, of the company. So financial, I know, you know, accounting, I know everything about that. I know um, how Bitcoin works more than anyone else, you know, at least in the company. I know how Tether works. I build Tether systems. I build the reconciliation system. I started building a, a social media presence and so so grew organically. And... Um, 
Jean-Louis and, and Giancarlo are, you know, are, are a different age, right? When did they start this thing? Sometimes when you start a company, you don't expect that to become so big. But you would expect the leadership to come out of the shadows when there's been big financial and oversight headlines, like the New York Attorney General's investigation. So where are they? I think that I represent well the ethos of, of, of the company. Plus, again, um, for example, uh, Giancarlo, JL, have been, you know, spotted almost everywhere. Uh, JL teaches at the Europol. Um, so he's always invited at Europol conferences to explain how our job works, how stablecoin works, how uh, anti-money laundering works in the Bitcoin and, and um, crypto space and so on. It's not like... Sometimes, sometimes people say, well, you know, no one knows where they are. Everyone knows where they are, but they are not like a public person. They, you know, they just want to do their work. They are the most brilliant people I ever met. And just like happens that they don't want to build this huge social presence. What kept going through my mind, why is Paolo the one talking about the reserves rather than the chief financial officer? I basically always was advocating for uh, freedom of speech and, and financial freedom and so on. So, yes, there is a lot of parts around Tether where you have to explain reserves, and I have a really good understanding of how that works, right? <clears throat> um, can you explain to me, if I give you a dollar, right, what happens to my dollar when okay. I give it to you, Tether? First of all, I have to start saying Tether only deals with big customers, so I don't want to sound uh, cocky, but uh, we, you have to have $100,000 to, uh, to, to initiate an operation with Tether. It's easier to perform uh, checks and really thorough checks on uh, you know, potential money, uh, money laundering and uh, you know, uh, crime financing if you have a smaller set of customers. right? If you have one million, it's extremely difficult. How many customers do you have then? So the active customers are around 1,000, right? Because, you know, the threshold is quite high. If we're going to look at where the money goes, we need to start at the very beginning. So where does the money go? So so I give you the money. Yes. And, um, There's my money. <laughs> yes. So you send, it, you send a wire with the money um, and we accept your money. So let's say it's X dollars. You send X dollars to us. We send you back X USDT tokens minus ten basis points because those are the commissions, right? You take, you keep this uh, X USDT. You do whatever you want, or basically you give it someone else. Or you, if you basically someone else can come to us, or yourself can come to us, you might now have like uh, you know a bit more because you bought some, you received some some more. Like you have uh, you know now. 2,000 USDT, you come to us, you send us uh, this USDT on our treasury wallet on the blockchain, and we send you back your, uh, the dollars. Okay. So simple as that. So then uh, with the dollars, while we have dollars in our bank account, we take the majority. Now we invest in T-bills um, and in other liquid assets, right? So that is how we create a yield so we can continue to maintain Tether sustainable. So uh, I give at, you, let's just yes. say it's 100000 yeah. what, what happens? So you send it to our bank account. Um, and uh, and we, this is the one in the Bahamas? Yes. Okay. So first of all... Is it one or two in the Bahamas? Uh, we have two bank accounts, in uh, two banks in the Bahamas. Okay. Um, we have a few banks around the world, but the two most prominent are, in mm-hmm. fact, in the Bahamas. And the other one, uh, it was public, so I, I'm not uh, supposed to comment on the banks, but it has been public as well. 
He's referring to Capital Union Bank, a tiny private wealth management bank in the Bahamas that was founded in 2013. But they announced in April of 2022 that they were rolling out a crypto strategy. So those are the bank accounts. So So nobody's concerned about reserves. Yeah, I mean, there are like... um, not exactly one single bank, but there are four or five banks that everyone using crypto, basically. And uh, so if there was actually an issue, everyone would know about it, right? So the banks are talking to one another and being like, oh my God, who doesn't have that? The the problem is that everyone is, everything is run by people. So you you expect uh, people talking when, although, you know, this, uh, this is in general private uh, information, but still, you know, everyone that works with us and uh, is a customer of Tether knows that the backend is there. Yeah. There is no single doubt around uh, that. Again, they deployed billions and they moved billions to uh, because they knew that if they were buying tethers, there were something to redeem with. Why do you think people are so interested in the backing and the reserves? Because if you say that everybody who's important, i.e. the customers that you have, right, surely... If they're fine with it, everybody else should be fine with it. But. First of all, there is competition. I find that quite interesting. I don't mean any disrespect, but we, we look like a couple of uh, Italian guys that um, started something that uh, no one actually understood until 2019, right? 2018, when the first were the first competitors, right? So people, especially in the US, pretend that uh, they have the full knowledge about finance and no one... Uh, can innovate on that aspect apart them. I'm pretty sure that um, if we had another, let's say, color of the shirt, uh, we wouldn't have all these problems, right? We can see that also when, you know, we announced our new auditor, that is BDO, top five company. I said, yeah, but, uh, you know, you, you are using an Italian company. Why that? Do you, uh, are you suggesting that Italians cannot work as well as, uh, you know, some, anyone else in the world? I mean, I don't know. And uh, so, but it's all full of that, right? It's all like, why are you not doing things in New York? Why should do things in New York, right? So probably calling it racist, racism is, is too much, but it's, it's like that, right? So that is one of the things that we have seen through all our life, right? So everyone was looking at Tether because Tether was not really public until a couple of years ago. That was actually our main mistake, right? So... We have been always people that uh, with super humble origins, always worked really hard. And we thought, okay, if we work hard, we, we show that we grow, we show that we, we do all these things, people will come around, right? So there is no need to invest a huge amount of uh, money in marketing and PR. But the quality of the work we are doing is going to be obvious. Had at that time we had already closed with and uh, settled with the NIAG, we settled with the CFTC, but we we were thinking, okay, we we can handle it, right? So is you know we we do the right things, we settle, but we then understood like people need information, and need to to have a presence and so on. It's like yes, that that was our fault to not understand that it was like naive, definitely. We own that mistake, and uh, but. That doesn't mean that we are bad people. You've said that you've, sort of, you've owned the mistakes that you've made in the past. There were the settlements that you made. Since we arranged this interview, another, um, another request for your reserves has come up. And so if people want information, why not just give them the information about the reserves and then they'll just back off? First of all, so I think you are talking about the class action. Uh, that started in 2019. Um, that is um, 
a clown class action, first of all, is like $1.4 trillion and is brought forward by Carl Roche. So he said, basically, he has plenty of videos that basically where he said that uh, he is going to use the US legal system, the mobster way to bring down all the crypto companies. So, you know, that is the guy that is wanting, uh, is, is interested in our information. So do, you, do we, we really want to give that guy our information? Uh, uh, Fitch, that is one of the top rating agencies, has declared that Tether has been the most transparent uh, stablecoin with the most um, information in their reports. If you look at our attestation, it's like much, much longer than the others. And we, we were the first to provide the breakdown reserves. I'd love to see your portfolio. Well, th there is much more information than anyone else in our portfolio. What we don't like is that to be singled out, right? There are no laws yet that ask stablecoin to provide their portfolio, right? And there is nothing to hide. I think that this is interesting when it comes to the importance of stablecoins and where people are recognizing that stablecoins are a, a, an underpinning of the space is that people are starting to ask. I mean, surely... Yeah. Like, it feels like you shouldn't get your, like, rough, it shouldn't ruffle your feathers. It should be like, hey, we're getting asked for these things. This is great. We're being taken seriously. We're becoming part of, well, I suppose perhaps you don't want to become part of the, <laughs> of the industry, but people are taking you more seriously because they want to, they want to check out that it's going to be okay. Absolutely. But keep in mind that we already, it's not like our information is secret. We are providing this information to all the regulators around the world. We provided this information. This information go to uh, to the New York Attorney General. It's not like, okay, we are keeping that in our pocket and not giving it to anyone. Actually, for the people that need to check on this stuff, we are providing this information. There are always uh, monetary uh, and, and money reasons to create all that type of uh, negative press. So I, I was going to ask what you what you guys thought about the Hindenburg bounty. Oh, well, that's, you know, that is ridiculous. In fact, I don't think that they paid. There is nothing to find in Tether. I don't know what your response was to, to that Hindenburg bounty call. I probably make a meme with a clown face. I use a lot of memes as, as my communication style. If you short a stable coin like Tether, worst case scenario, so let's say that you short for one, one uh, to one, right? Worst case scenario goes to one, uh, back to one. Best case scenario for you, if you short it, it goes to zero. So... They are like a kind of chickens. You know, I'm sure you have seen, have seen the movie uh, Il Gladiator, The Gladiator. We asked to the to our community, to everyone that was disputing Tether, aren't you entertained, right? So we did something that was unthinkable. We didn't only prove that we were backed. We proved that um, our bankings were safe, right? You could have the money and you see that in the bank account. But if your bank is not safe, then you still have the problem. No bank rejected the wires that we processed. I'm proud that uh, that happened in the end, right? It was a super stressful moment, but uh, I'm excited that it happened. That interview left me spinning after all the chasing and the reporting we've done. To speak with someone at Tether face-to-face -face was more surreal than it should have been. And I'm thinking, sure, it's plausible that they don't want to be transparent about their reserves because they don't want their competitors to steal their trade secrets. And yeah, I can see a world where traditionalists are hounding the company because they don't trust crypto and they don't trust who's behind it. It is threatening all of the assumptions upon which their businesses operate. And it's perfectly reasonable to assume that the invisible figures at the top of Tether have better things to do than jump every time someone asks. All of this is possible. 
Paolo is personable and answered the questions we put to him in detail. But I still want to know why, when they say they're interested in working above the board, they're working so hard behind the scenes to keep certain information private. Why would you hide something unless there are details in there that you don't want to be scrutinized? What would it take to see these holdings that we are trying so hard to find? While we were recording our interview with Paolo, the world shifted. FTX, the world's second most popular crypto exchange, has pretty much completely collapsed. Over $150 billion. In three days, that's how much the world's 15 largest cryptocurrencies lost in market value. It's because of the crypto exchange platform FTX. FTX was a pretty good product. People liked it. It was advertised as by traders for traders and institutions trusted it. They, at some point, actually had a lot of money. Although looking at the balance sheet that came up, looks like a lot, large portion of it was um, coins that they themselves effectively created. Why would the downfall of Sam Bankman-Fried, also known as SBF, give us any view into a company so opaque its transparency reports have locks on them? Well, because this new economy that they're part of is close-knit. Most of the players at the level of FTX, Alameda, and Tether aren't merely competitors. They're collaborators. We know this because Bennett Tomlin, our American football player, who's been tracking Tether for five years, did a piece of research for intelligence firm Protoss in 2021 that gave us a window into the Tether marketplace. There's certain things I can't disclose just to protect our sources, but... um... We, we gained access to some information that made it possible for us to then kind of build out who Tether was interacting with, when they were interacting with, how those flows were moving, and things like that to help us report out the full piece. They were looking for Tether's major customers, some of the 1,000 customers that Paolo mentioned in our face-to-face. Bennett found... Two-thirds of Tethers were issued to two entities, right? One of those two entities was the company Alameda Research. Alameda Research was the company that was sharing funds with FTX, both run by Sam Bankman-Fried. There are now two ways that Tether has a problem. First, Sam Bankman-Fried was a market mover heavily invested in the stablecoin. Alameda was one of the primary uh, arbitrage firms that was stepping in, buying Tether below peg and then redeeming it at peg. And so... They are losing one of the major entities that was doing that and one of the major entities that was creating demand for Tethers. Alameda Research and Tether were tight. More than a third of Tethers in the world were sent to the company, more than any other customer. And almost 90% of those Tethers were traded on FTX. So to what degree are Tethers reserves tied up in Alameda and FTX? Is Tether exposed to Alameda and FTX? And the answer is, at least in one sense, yes, right? Alameda drives a lot of the demand for the token. And like they are losing one of the major entities that was doing that and one of the major entities that was creating demand for Tethers. Now, whether or not Tether is more like directly financially exposed is one of those tricky questions because they shouldn't be. If Tether is doing what Tether is saying Tether is doing, then Tether's fine, right? They've got billions and billions of dollars of treasury. They've got all the same currency they did a day before Alameda collapsed. But what about their pole position as crypto's number one stablecoin? Well, it's not just us who knows that Tether and SBF were so intertwined. 
In the run-up to the moment Alameda and FTX filed for bankruptcy, Tether depegged. The marketplace decided it was no longer worth a dollar. In other words, the people who had bought their 100,000 tethers for $100,000, at that moment, they'd lost up to six grand. SBF has been charged with fraud by the Southern District Court of New York. The criminal investigation is currently underway. As Tether's major customer, might this be the moment when the tide goes out of the murky crypto seas and Tether's finances see the light of day? Sam Bankman-Fried's multi-billion dollar collapse has caused an earthquake across the crypto world. Tokens are falling, exchanges are crumbling. Turns out it's more than only SBF's companies that are at stake. Tether's bestie is about to be laid bare, and if there is anything FTX and Alameda have in their books about it that unlocks the company's inner workings, we're going to see it. In the next episode of Real Money, we see if Tether really is untouchable. The series was reported by me, Alex Kratoski. It was written by me and Joanna Humphreys. The producer is Joanna Humphreys. Sound design is by Carla Patella. Original theme is by Tom Kinsella. Additional production by Alexi Mostris. With thanks to Noel Siri and Bennett Tomlin. The executive producer is Carrie Thomas. Real Money is a Tortoise production. Tortoise members and Tortoise Plus subscribers on Apple Podcasts get exclusive and ad-free access to real money, as well as Tortoise's other investigative series. Simply subscribe to Tortoise Plus on Apple Podcasts or join Tortoise as a member, where you will also get invites to exclusive events in our newsroom. Go to tortoisemedia.com slash realmoney for a special offer to become a member today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.